can't get away from confrontation, but learn this maxim and confrontation will not cripple you. Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. November 12, 1914 marked a very disappointing date in the Woodrow Wilson presidency. For the first time, notes his biographer Scott Berg, the president lost his temper in the White House. And we step back and we ask ourselves, why was that? Well, Wilson, normally long on patience, was in a state of acute depression, a depression brought on by an overwhelming sense of grief and loss over losing Ellen, his wife of almost 30 years. Ellen died of Bright's disease, a kidney-related disorder, and Wilson was in such a deep state of depression that he didn't know if he could continue on as the president. Now, we may step back from that and say, come on, you're the president. You've got to do what you've got to do. But you have to read their personal correspondence to appreciate the depth of love between Woodrow Wilson and Ellen Axon Wilson, his wife. Now, while knowing that doesn't excuse his behavior, it does help to provide a little bit of context for why this usually level-headed, patient politician lost his temper when William Monroe Trotter paid a visit to the White House. Now, if you don't know about Trotter, Trotter was a Wilson supporter in the 1912 election. He and a lot of other blacks had hopes that Wilson might be the second Lincoln, so to speak. But in the two years since Wilson had become president, blacks had not seen the kind of action on civil rights they were hoping for. So on that Thursday, November 12, 1914, Trotter shows up at the White House. And Berg writes, he shows up with representatives of the National Independence Equal Rights League. Why? To inform Wilson that the conditions for the Negro hadn't gotten better, they had gotten worse. Trotter said that blacks felt so betrayed by Wilson that they let it be known at the ballot box by voting against every Democratic candidate except those who openly oppose segregation. Now, Wilson, he's a politician, and he really does care, so he's quick to acknowledge the tension that existed. And Wilson said, Let me remind you, Mr. Trotter, it takes the world generations to outlive all its prejudice. Well, Trotter heard him, but he wasn't satisfied, and Berg continues with the narrative. Trotter said, Only two years ago, you were heralded as perhaps the second Lincoln, and now... Afro-American leaders who supported you are hounded as false leaders and traitors to their race. What a change segregation has wrought. And Wilson, taken aback, not only by the statements, but more by the tone in which Trotter came after him, responded, Your tone, sir, offends me. You are an American citizen, as fully an American citizen as I am, but you're the only American citizen that has ever come into this office who has talked to me with the tone of passion that was evident in your voice. You spoiled the whole cause for which you came. At that point, Wilson all but dismissed Mr. Trotter. But Trotter, he wouldn't have any of it, and he continues his verbal assault, throwing in the dig, and this in an America that professed to be Christian. And when he left the White House, he stepped out on the street, and then he announces a protest meeting and that the group was going to take this movement to the churches. Well, listen as Berg describes the fallout 
but then also what I'm calling Wilson's Confrontation Maxim, because it was a key moment of learning for the president. Listen to this. The confrontation galvanized the black community. James Weldon Johnson, then editing the New York Age, the city's oldest African-American newspaper, addressed the president in an editorial, saying, Mr. Wilson, the men who waited upon you did not go to ask any favors. Neither did they go to be patted on the head and told to be good little niggers and run home. No, Johnson said, they were simply citizens asking their chief magistrate to right a wrong. The president had preached the new freedom and sent his army and navy in the interest of the landless peons of Mexico, he said. But not one word has he uttered for fair play to the ten million Negroes in this country. For Johnson, the episode revealed a basic truth about Woodrow Wilson. He bears the discreditable distinction of being the first president of the United States since emancipation who openly condoned and vindicated prejudice against the Negro. The white liberal press took Wilson to task as well. Oswald Garrison Villard sent copies of newspaper editorials to the president, lamenting that an administration so noble in its feeling for the underdog cannot do simple justice when it comes to the color line. The New York Evening Post suggested that Trotter's bad manners aside, the Wilson administration had drawn a color line where it had not existed. Blacks and whites had worked side by side for half a century, and this administration went out of its way to create the issue it now deplores. Wilson regretted the encounter with Trotter, but not for any substantive reason. Daniels, he later remarked to his secretary of the Navy, never raise an incident into an issue. When the Negro delegate threatened me, I was damn fool enough to lose my temper and to point them to the door. In retrospect, he believed he should have listened quietly and said he would consider their petition allowing the matter to pass. Did you get it? Never raise an incident into an issue. Wilson. Wilson said, I was damn fool enough to lose my temper and to point them to the door. I lost my temper and played the fool. You know, Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And Wilson, looking back, said, I should have listened quietly, considered the petition, and let the matter pass. But I lost my temper, and I played the fool. And my aha moment is this. Never raise an incident into an issue. Listen to the criticism. Listen to the differing opinion. Listen to the other perspective. Listen to the advice. Wilson let the incident, his frustration with Trotter's rudeness, become an issue, and in the process made a touchy topic all the more volatile. And in doing so, he helped neither Trotter's cause, his own standing, or most importantly, lessen the country's prejudice. As I take all this in and I reflect on Wilson, I think that leadership functions more effectively as we, as leaders, internalize and live by key maxims or axioms. For instance, every leader is a limited edition of one. Or as Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Or Max Dupree, 
The first job of a leader is to define reality. Or the Indian tribal saying, when the horse is dead, dismount. Or as Ken Blanchard notes, feedback is the breakfast of champions. Now to these and many others that I live by, I'm adding Wilson's confrontation maxim. Never raise an incident into an issue. And that's my thought on my walk with Scott Berg and his excellent biography, Wilson. Now my question is, as it always is, what will you do with that thought on your walk through life today? Today.